0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a Friday edition of Talking Buffalo podcast. Part of the Blue Iron Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much as always for locking in. Usually I say whether it's on the audio side or the video side, but this is going to be audio only today. And this is also going to be, uh, let's call this a Friday quickie because this is not going to be a long episode um, whatsoever. For regular listeners, people tuning in who listen every Friday or at least regularly on Fridays, I usually, in fact, I almost always do casual Friday, and I have my very good friend, um, Maintenance Day podcast host, Joe Yurden, with me. However, this week, Joe is in South Carolina with family. And, uh, well, you know what? I might even say he didn't have time. Joe was still down to do this podcast now again if you've if you listen to this show if you know Joe you know Joe has um suffered great loss over the last couple of months he, he lost his mom to cancer and Joe's in South Carolina with family and even still I mean he didn't have any video setup ability or he didn't have his laptop or any of that but he was still down to find a quiet spot get on his cell phone and type of podcast, like kind of old school style. It's kind of funny going any type of podcast, old school style. But uh, he was done. He was still going to do the show, man. But I'm like, you know what, man? You're, you're with your family. You need this. Good time away, bonding time, South Carolina, lovely place to be. I'm not going to tie up an hour of your time. So anyway, just want to let you know, that's the reason why there is no casual Friday this week. Absolutely, Casual Friday, we'll be back next week uh, with Joe Yearnin. Let's call this a quick hitter episode. I got a couple thoughts about a couple topics, and I also got a couple clips that I want you guys to hear, but I just want to spend a couple minutes today, a couple things that kind of went on throughout the week that I had my own thoughts on. Um, One of them is Buffalo Bills' second-round draft pick, running back James Cook. We're going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about former Buffalo Bills offensive guard slash center, uh, John Feliciano. And then I got a couple final thoughts um, regarding the the city of Buffalo right now, the community and everything that's went on over the past couple of days with just scores and scores of current and former Buffalo Bills and Sabres and bandits converging on the east side of Buffalo. And it's been amazing. The Bagulas as well, Roger Goodell. Anyway, I got some thoughts on that. Not a lot of thoughts, but a few. And I'll save that for the end of the episode. That's all we're going to do today. And then we're going to get out. Like I said, this is going to be a quickie Friday episode. Uh, In fact, we'll call this Quick Hitters. Let's start with James Cook. And there's a reason why I want to talk about him specifically. So hopefully you guys listen to Wednesday's podcast. The first of a two-parter. And what I did is on Twitter on Monday, I put out for listeners, fans, followers on, on Twitter, I wanted your most bold Buffalo Bills and or NFL take prediction for the 2022 season. And man, you guys, by the way, really delivered it. Last check at well over 250 responses. And again, these are bold. And I asked for bold and you gave me bold. Part one aired this past Wednesday. And there is also a second part that will be airing with uh, my buddy Joe next week, next Wednesday. More on that in a little while. But anyway, on this part one, there were there were tweets about a couple players that were... Uh, Plentiful, like more tweets about, and predictions. By tweets, I mean predictions on a couple players more than others. Um, there were a lot about Greg Brazil. There were a lot about uh Ed Oliver, and there were a lot, probably more, with the exception, of course, of Josh Allen. I mean, <laughs> many some of you guys think the guy's going to have five hundred touchdowns and ten thousand yards this year, and of course, the Bills are going to go undefeated. But anyway. <laughs> A lot, and I mean a lot. I was taken back by how many predictions there are on James Cook. And I realized through you guys who all uh, tweeted your predictions and had your thoughts on James Cook, I realized that this is going to be a guy who comes onto a championship-caliber football team as a rookie with some pretty, uh, pretty high-ass expectations you guys, for the most part, I mean, there were some that were a little more realistic. Not I don't want to say realistic. Some that uh, the expectations were tempered a little with him. But for the most part, a lot of people out there think James Cook is going to be instantly a huge upgrade to the Bills' uh, running back room. And let me tell you this too. Let me preface anything I'm saying um, by saying this, because this is important. When the NFL draft went down last month, if you follow me on Twitter, you would know this at the end of round one, ever you know how it is when when the first round's over, you start to put out players that you'd like to see the bills take in round two. Well, I named one player, literally one player, and it was James Cook. In fact, on Friday morning uh before day two of the draft rounds two and three, I literally tweeted "Good morning to James Cook and James Cook only <laughs> That tells you that I really wanted the Bills to draft him. So needless to say, when it actually happened, the Bills traded down twice on night two of the draft in round two. And ultimately, they took James Cook. Based on what I just told you, I really don't need to uh, elaborate on how happy that made me. I love James Cook. I love him because, well, I love him for a few reasons. But more than anything else, I love him because he's one of the few players, I think, available in this draft beyond, of course, the blue-chip stud guys. He was one of the few players in this class that I thought could bring something to the Bills offense that they don't have. Now, there's lots of players, lots of running backs who could do a lot of stuff. They could maybe even push Devin Singletary. Hell, maybe even a couple of these guys might ultimately be better than Devin Singletary at running the football and doing what Devin does. But we got a guy who's pretty good at that, Devin Singletary. What I liked about James Cook, and I would say maybe Rashard White was the other guy too I would have been happy with, he brings an element to the Bills passing game that Singletary ain't giving you. He brings an element to the Bills passing game that Zach Moss ain't giving you. Even Duke Johnson, who's probably better than either of those two in the passing game, I think James Cook could bring an element that none of those running backs do. He's a weapon that makes it even harder to defend the Buffalo Bills offense which is pretty damn hard to defend as it is. So anyway, needless to say, again, very happy about the pick. But here's the deal. I think a lot of fans out there right now are expecting this guy to do huge things right away as a rookie. And that's, I'm not sold on that. Um, again, some expectations, some of these bold predictions were a little more bold than the other. But I would say the median prediction when it came to James Cook was 500 yards receiving. In fact, there were probably a half dozen, maybe more tweets where quite literally the number was 500. It would say James Cook, at least 500 yards receiving. That would be their one of their, I mean, some people had many predictions, but that would be a prediction for a lot of people. James Cook would have 500 receiving yards. Now, again, some were more. Some said he's going to have more total yards from scrimmage than Devin Singletary is a rookie. Some said he's going to have double digits, touchdowns as a rookie. I don't want to say it's ridiculous because you never know what could happen. I mean, Devin Singletary could get hurt in week one, and now all of a sudden James Cook is your feature back. Lots of things could happen, so I don't want to call anything ridiculous. But anyway, again, the median, the average prediction, I would say, is 500 yards in, in, uh, in a season for receiving, for Cook. My first thought was, well, I mean, that sounds pretty easy enough. Actually, if you really think about it, 500 yards, 17 games, really not that much. In fact, if you do the math, 500 yards, 17 games, you're talking barely over 29 yards receiving per game. That's not that much, 29 yards receiving per game, but that's the easy part. Then. You got to look at the hard the parts. Um, 17 games, 29 per game on paper don't look like much. But how much playing time is he going to get as a rookie? And not just because, look, his, he, he's going to right away from day one, his straight's going to be coming out of the backfield and catching the football and getting some yards after catch. That's a strength right away. But how good is he going to be as a rookie pass blocking? How good is a rookie is he going to be if he's got to run the football? I mean, don't forget now, this is a guy in Georgia who only averaged like 10 carries a game. So this workhorse running back, again, some of these predictions that he's going to run for 1,200 yards as a rookie, I mean, you know, that's a little uh, borderline silly. But anyway, 29 yards receiving per game, 500 yards. Don't sound like a lot, but to me it is, because you got to account for potentially an injury where he might miss a couple games. Uh, You got to account for maybe he doesn't play a lot. Maybe he's not in the game plan much, if at all, for a specific week, depending on who the opponent may be. Maybe, which is not uncommon, Sean McDermott might want to bring a rookie along slower because, and also there's one football, right? I mean, you got Stephon Diggs, you got Gabriel Davis, you got, you got uh Jamison Crowder, you got Dawson Knox, nice, you got OJ Howard. You got another rookie, Khalil Shakir, who might get some looks. You got Isaiah McKenzie. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of miles to feed on this team with only one football. And then you look around the league. And again, pass blocking. And until he gets better at pass blocking, he might not get the playing time. And his ability to run. How many snaps is he going to see? I think that matters, at least early on in his rookie year. When you go around the league last year, and you look at all the running backs in the entire NFL, all of them, unless I read this wrong, and I don't think I did, there were only two running backs in the entire NFL last year that had more than 500 yards receiving. One of them was Austin Eckler. He had 647 yards for the Chargers last year. Great receiver, elite receiver for a running back coming out of the backfield. And then the other one, which... I mean, to be completely honest with you, I borderline don't even want to count him as Cordell Patterson. Cordero Patterson at 548. And again, he's a running back, but he lined up at receiver a lot. A lot of bubble screens, things like that. I love him. Patterson's a great player. I wanted the Bills to sign him at the beginning of free agency. But anyway, my point is he's borderline a running back to me. So only two running backs in the entire NFL had 500 yards receiving last year. Right away, that makes you say, all right, James Cook getting 500 as a rookie might feel like a little bit of a reach. And by the way, if you're looking from a Buffalo Bills historical team perspective, I did some research too. 500 yards receiving or more by a running back has been done by six different running backs in the history of the franchise, a total of 10 times. So there's been 10 seasons in Bills history where a running back had 500 or more yards receiving. Uh, Thurman Thomas holds the team record 669 in 1989, and Thurman did it four times. So four of your 10 right there is from Thurman, who was a second ballot Hall of Famer, who should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. After that, Larry Center, 620 yards back in 2001, and that was like on 80 catches. And it feels like it was 800 catches because it felt, felt like he got like two yards per catch. But anyway, Larry Center, who literally never ran the football. Uh, Joe Cribs, who did it twice. 603 yards back in 1981. And then he had 524 yards two years later in 1983. Uh, three more guys. Greg Bell, 576 receiving yards back in 1985. Keith Lincoln, 558 receiving yards back in all the way back in 1967. And then our boy, Fast Freddie Jackson. Freddie Jackson had 501 receiving yards, so he got there by a yard in 2014. So I guess my point is this I like James Cook a lot, and I do think he's going to have some weeks where he makes an impact. But 500 yards receiving in, uh, in one season as a rookie for a running back to me with all the weapons on this team is a lot. And one last thing too, is it kind of pops in my mind. Josh Allen will throw to him, but Josh Allen isn't really much of a, a check down guy. He's going to look to make bigger plays. Maybe if James Cook went to a an offense as a rookie where like Sam Darnold was the quarterback or uh, uh, Mac Jones was the quarterback, somebody like that. Sure, then maybe Cook could have 500 yards, and I'm not saying it's impossible. It could happen. I'm just saying not all that likely, folks. That's all I'm saying. So I'm going to take, here's what I'm going to do. Real quick break. I'm going to come back. John Feliciano, former Buffalo Bills guard, had some pretty poignant and some may say pretty fucked up shit to say about his former team. I got a clip that I want to play from his appearance on uh, Ariel Helwani's show. I'm going to play that clip for you, and we'll break that down a little bit couple more things to get you, like I said, then I'll get you out of here. So be right back, folks.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, I'm back here talking Buffalo podcast quick hitter Friday. Like I said, Joe Yurden will be back with me casual Friday next week. Look, bottom line, folks, I just wanted to make sure you have something. If it's Apple, Spotify, you get up, you like to listen to the show on Friday. I wanted to make sure I had something for you there, man. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder in the podcasting game. You ain't got something there for people to listen to. They're going to go find something else. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, John Feliciano, New York Giant offensive center, former Buffalo Bills offensive guard. I saw this clip on Twitter and I'm going to be upfront about it. I don't have a lot of context. I didn't hear the entirety of the interview, but there's one part that really stuck out. And it was, um, and again, he was on the Ariel uh, Hawani show and Ariel asked him, about what it felt like to kind of be on the sidelines and have to watch what was going on in that Bills KC playoff game that Ariel still says he's not over and neither are a lot of us. But anyway, I don't maybe you feel differently than I do. Oh, I'd like to hear your takes on this, but John Feliciano had some pretty what I consider selfish uh shit to say. I'm gonna play the clip for you and I'll come back and and then we'll talk about it. Here's that clip
0: knowing that it was probably coming to an end in January. Mm. Um, Can you describe how you felt in Kansas City? I mean, heartbreak. I I don't even know if I'm over it, to be honest. But uh, because you probably wanted to be more involved and you know maybe the the run is coming to an end for you, I would imagine maybe a mix of emotions. Can you describe how you felt in the locker room after the game?
3: Um, I mean, to be honest, I was like, "Hmm, I don't know if I... I mean, I was definitely like sad for my my player, my 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 teammates. Um, I did what I can on the sideline. I, I don't like. I was coaching up people. I was every time Gabe scored, I was on his hip. I was like, "I'm there for you." Um, but I mean, you can't lie. There was a part of me that wasn't like, "Oh, y'all got what you deserved," because you know, I feel like I would, I would have been. I, I honestly, when you look back at that game, there wasn't. It was like they were playing football I and mean, there was not no like everyone was just going through the motions as in like not like there wasn't anyone like challenging like in the face of the KC's defense or like there was no attitude out there I feel like and I feel like that's what I bring and I feel like potentially if there was that it would not have been such a close game but who knows I might be wrong.
1: Guess what buddy you're wrong. Let's just throw that out there immediately. His quote, what resonated with me, and I wanted to make sure I played the clip so you could interpret it the way you want to interpret it. To me, having full context of his, in the entirety of what he said, what stuck out to me, what resonated is him saying, y'all got what you, y'all deserved. I mean, are you kidding me right now? A part of him feels like you got what you deserve because he wasn't out there. And he speaks of attitude. The Bills offense looked like, it, the off, I don't know if he's talking about the offensive line, the offense, whatever, going through the motions. What, what was he watching? What is he talking about? Seriously. The Bills offense, at least in, especially in the second half, literally Kansas City could not stop them, literally could not stop them, couldn't, couldn't make a stop when it mattered, not one. Not even one. We all know why the Bills lost the game. We don't need to talk about 13 seconds. Not today. This dude is talking about attitude. And the Bills looking like they're going through the motions. First of all, having a bad attitude, a mean attitude, a tough guy attitude, that don't mean shit if you can't pass protect. If you can't protect your quarterback, that don't mean shit. And here's the bottom line, folks. Guess why Ryan Bates was in the game? Guess why Ryan Bates started for four or five weeks, whatever it was, leading up to that game at the end of the year when they finally threw a lot of injuries and, you know, not many other options, finally gave Ryan Bates a chance to start. Why was John Feliciano not in the lineup? I'll tell you why. Because he played poorly. He played poorly. He was banged up, he played poorly, he got benched, he was slow, he couldn't pass protect. And in terms of going through the motions, I mean, I I remember a year ago, do you remember last year in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2020 playoffs? I do, because I seem to remember... Chris Jones absolutely murdering, destroying John Feliciano, toying with him, making him look silly. Now, to be fair, he also did that to Mitch Morris as well. But still, that's ridiculous, man. And you could just tell he wanted to say a lot more. I mean, yeah, he threw out the stuff about Gabe Davis and coaching the guys up. Come on, man. You could tell that's a bitter guy, a guy that was bitter that he got benched, a guy. To Ariel's point, he knew in January his run with the Bills was going to be over, which he was under contract. I think it was. He got cut. Yeah. So he knew what was coming. And if anyone was going through the motions, it it was him. And if it wasn't, then that's even worse because he played like he was going through the motions. Again, poorly, slow, couldn't pass, protect, save his life. I just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm up to build the Bills' offense. Basically, saying it looked lifeless in Kansas City against their defense. I mean, what, what are you watching when you're on the sidelines, man? Wow. Just crazy. Anyway, he's a New York Giant now. He's a center. And by the way, one last thing, too. If I'm, uh, if I'm Brian Dable, I'm not sure that I really like my, my guy coming over from Buffalo and kind of throwing some shade, kicking a little bit of dirt at the organization on his way out. That's not the way you want to go to an organization when that coach was from Buffalo, that coach was the offensive coordinator that you're criticizing and saying that offense looked, uh like they were going through the motions. That would be if, if true, which is not, that would be an indictment a little bit. I'm Brian Davis. So I don't know, man. that's just stupid. And, uh, <laughs> I I really don't know what else I, I could say about it. That's just, that's a terrible take from John Feliciano. And, uh, y'all got what y'all deserved is a really shitty take, and the only reason why it's probably gonna fly under the radar is because nobody really gives a shit about what john Feliciano has to say anyway all right so i'm I'm about to wrap this up, but before I do, I did want to say it's it's been um and look i I did an entire podcast Monday. I offered my thoughts, although I was still kind of shell shocked not to be honest with you uh when I recorded everything that happened, the tragedy at Tops, and just this awful, awful thing that happened to uh to the East Side community over last weekend. It's just disgusting. But anyway, that's not I'm not here to give you really my opinion about that. What has been pretty amazing for me and I'm sure for a lot of you out there listening right now, it's been awesome to see Uh, the community rally around the tragedy, around the victims and and their families. And I feel like, first of all, big, big shout out to the Buffalo Bills and to the Buffalo Sabres and to the Buffalo Bandits and to a lot of uh, the Bills and Sabres alumni, Hall of Famers, Roger Goodell, the Bagulas, everybody has been around over the last couple of days, and you know, say what you will about some of these people, but I, I truly believe that people are genuinely hurt, and people are, uh, and 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 they're trying to bring some love to the community, trying to uplift it, and and that's their way of doing it: handing out food, speaking. Showing their faces, uh, letting people know that they're there, grieving with them—it really matters. It really does. I really have a—I have a whole new level of respect right now for Buffalo sports teams. I thought that was really cool what the what the Bills did. Pretty much the entire team showed up, from what I understand. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, entire staff—they all came down. I—I I really thought that was cool, man. It moved me. It did. Um. Uh, and I, I want to say this too because I actually have two clips here. I I think, in fact, I don't think I know. Instead of me talking about how I feel, gives a shit about how I feel. Quite frankly, Bruce Smith of of everybody who I've heard from this week, everybody, current players, former players, um, our owner, uh, community leaders, of anybody I've heard from all week long, I think Bruce Smith moved me the most. He spoke on thursday he was there along again jim kelly and thurman thomas the bagulas roger goodell a ton of uh alumni were there it was really cool i got to see a lot of the videos a lot of the sports being a lot of fans um took pictures and videos so i got to see a lot of it and i wanted to pull i I did pull two clips i wanted to hear you guys if, if you didn't get a chance to listen um, Bruce Smith, and, and they're two separate clips. The first one, and I got to make sure I credit uh, John Scott from Spectrum Sports because he captured this. Well, at least he's one of the people who captured it. And and I pulled uh, the audio from this video. And the only thing I will say too is that this being an audio podcast today, I really wish I could put the video clip on so you could see Bruce Smith's face. You could see the pain. You could see uh, the emotion in him. It just... It's really moving. Anyway, I'm going to shut my mouth. I want to play this. The first one, um, Bruce is, is this is right after he visited uh, the sites of the ten victims, and this was but there was a press conference after where he was with other people, but this is him by himself talking to reporters. And this was literally right after, and you could just, I think you could even hear it just from this audio. You can hear it in his uh in his voice just how shaken he was. Here's that clip.
2: I like the rest of the community. I'm just devastated. It, it, it feels as though someone has just ripped the insides out of me. Uh, hurts. Hurts to see the pain and the suffering that has taken place as a result of this, this evil act. Uh, robbing innocent pillars in the community of their loved ones all because of the color of their skin it, it it's it's just unimaginable and, and just 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 devastating um <laughs> I wasn't going to have any peace until I got here. This. I'm, it hurts.
1: All right, that's the first clip, and he's literally fighting back tears. And again, I really wish I could give it a little more justice by having video to accompany it. But even his words, you can, you can just hear it. You can feel it. Bruce is, uh, he's devastated. He's devastated. This is everybody. But I just feel like Bruce, what his words are saying represent what a lot of people feel right now. And the part of that quote that really stuck out to me the most was when he said, I wasn't going to have any peace until I got here. I, I feel like a lot of people that have been to that site over the course of this week to offer their prayers, to bring flowers, or just be there. I think they feel the exact same way. All right, now a little bit later, shortly after that, um, Bruce met with a bunch of reporters and he was, um, Thurman was there next to him, Jim Kelly, Roger Goodell, and a couple other people. And Bruce spoke again. And I'm playing this clip because he had a line near the end that I think is perfect way to uh, wrap up the segment and this podcast for that matter. So let me play that clip and then I'll come right back to it.
2: It it, it was something that I had to do. I had to come and pay my respects, number one, uh, to the victims of this this horrific, this horrific rampage uh, of of killing innocent African-Americans, just going to the grocery store. And number two, to show support for this community. This community is here for me. Some of my best friends, best friends, I feel like they're brothers, uh, police officers, state troopers, Larry White, um, uh, JT, and and so many others. Uh, I was just compelled to go to the memorial site and I cried like a baby. I, I wept, but it was, it was good. I, I needed to have that moment so I could start this healing process. And to be here today, passing out food with, with my brother Thurman and Jim and, and the Bagulas and, and Roger and, and so many others. And then seeing the community. I bet you this racist. Did not count on this outpouring of love that's taking place right now.
1: That's incredible stuff right there. And, that, and that's the line that I'm talking about. You can, first of all, again, just like the first quote, and a lot of these people who have been speaking over the last couple of days, you could really feel it. Josh Allen, so many of these guys that, that have spoken, you could feel their pain. But Bruce Mann, did he ever capture it right there? Seeing the community, and I'm now I'm directly quoting him. Seeing the community. I bet you this racist did not count on this outpouring of love that's taking place right now. Man, I think he hit the nail right on the head. And then the only other thing I want to add, and then I'm done, because, and and let me tell you this too, there's some shows that I've listened to this week that I think you should give a listen or a a watch to. Tim Graham had a show on, the Tim Graham show earlier this week where he had Mookie Hawkins on, and I thought they had a really good conversation. Uh, Code of Conduct on Tuesday, the very beginning of the podcast, Jay Spence, the King, had a a message, and it was really, uh, it was touching. And I've talked to Jay a handful of times over the course of the week, but anyway, I really strongly suggest you go listen to that. Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot on New York Up, they had a really uh, strong episode this week talking about race and everything that happened. Mookie was on that as well. Ashley Holder from Channel 2. It was really good. These people, and by the way, I should, one more too. Bruce Nolan on the Bruce exclusive on on uh, Thursday. Man, and you know, I don't even want to, t- you got to go listen to it. The Bruce exclusive, make sure you check it out. And uh, just some really strong stuff. And I, And I feel like they said things far better then I could have put it, let's just put it that way. But I will say one last thing here. And this is, again, what stuck out with me with Bruce. The racists did not count on this outpouring of love that's taking place right now. That's the whole thing. I love it, but it, I also, it scares me because I just hope that this outpouring of love continues. Because look, none of us could, uh, you, we, I, I could never relate to what happened. I, I know that, and I, I'll never will try. But for all of us that have lost a loved one in any capacity before, it's hard. The hardest part, the easiest part is when everyone is, everyone's showing their love to you. Everyone's paying their respects. Everyone is checking up on you and making sure you're okay. The hardest part is when you start to realize people ultimately and it does happen it's the way it's a circle of life bruce and jim and and the buffalo bills and the sabers and everyone who's coming they're they're they got they're going to get back to their own lives they're still going to grieve they're still going to mourn that's not what i'm saying they're very very genuine but ultimately when you lose somebody that you know the out the checking up on you that outpouring of love you don't feel it as much as time goes on and you get that lonely angry frustrating feeling and you know that's coming for the victims families and the loved ones and i just that's why i said i really hope that this outpouring of love all the things that are being done right now that it continues and that change gets brought and i'm not going to get into that stuff today that's not what i wanted to do on this episode i will have some episodes you can bet your ass i'm gonna have some conversations because look i know my strengths i know my weaknesses doing these solo podcasts like this not a strength my strength is having good conversations with good people. And I can promise you, I am going to have some very candid, open conversations about racism, about hate, about how we heal from all this, about making changes, what we can do, what we need to do. There will be conversations coming up in future episodes. I promise you that with some really, really, really good guests. I'll save that for the future though. Again, we all know Changes need to happen and they need to last. This can't just be a, we're going to mourn it now in a week or two from now. You know, we just, we move on. Don't work that way. Not anymore. Anyway, it can't. Anyway, all that said, that's going to be it for this Friday quick hitter episode. Uh, it wasn't really that quick of a hitter. It was still going on close to 40 minutes. Next week, three shows. I'm going to have on Tuesday, Rachel Hotmeyer. From Spectrum, she's new to the to, the, to uh, the city covering sports. She covers the Sabres too, by the way. For Spectrum, came right in and did an awesome job. Anyway, I've never talked to her before. I never met her. I'm very much looking forward to changing that. She'll be on the show on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, it's going to be part two, well, part the second part. I should say the conclusion of your takes, your boldest, biggest Buffalo Bills in NFL 2022 season predictions i'll have my buddy joe on again to go over that that's the second half of that and then of course next friday casual friday with joe yurden and i can tell you this right now a week ahead of time i already know it we're going to be talking about a sabers fan survey that was set out um about game day experiences at the arena joe's gonna have a ton of thoughts on that among other things and then our starting five draft is going to be tv villains we were again we were going to do that this week but now Joe's in South Carolina. So I'm going to put that on pause for one week. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I almost said watching. You're only listening today. Have a good weekend and stay safe. I love you guys, man. I really do. Talk to you soon.